When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Elkanen, Dennis Dick with you. As always, you know, it's not often you get uh, two big headlines over the weekend, or one, let alone two. We got two this weekend, McDonald's and Under Armour, both with news, not good news. We'll talk about them both this morning. Under Armour also had earnings. Let's see. We'll cover some earnings reports. We'll also talk about pot and if there is a setup there for the rest of the year in pot stocks. Our guest today, Jeff Mills. He is the CIO of Bryn Mawr Trust Wealth Management. He will join the show at 835. And before I throw it to Joel, I want to remind you about the Benzinga Global Fintech Awards coming up November 19th at New World Stages in New York City. Categories include alternative data, investing, lending, everything you've ever wanted to know about the future of fintech. Plus, we're doing pre-market prep live from the event, and John and I are doing some education on the side there. I'll get. I'll put the link in the chat here to uh, get 20% off. The promo code is PMPVIP, or go to fintechawards.com to learn more about the Benzinga Global Fintech Awards. Now, Joel, what is the word here overnight? It's good. All right, in the green, 14 handles, uh, 20 or 3077 evens where we're trading. Opened up, boom, low ticket, 64.75. No resistance, folks. The only thing that's out there is the pre market high of 3080. Crude making a comeback here, up 50 cents at 56.70. Gold above 1500, up 360 at 15.50. Silver up nine uh, nine point eight cents at eighteen fifteen. Bitcoin hanging out ninety five dollars nine thousand three hundred and thirty. Let's bring in Triple D. We got a lot to talk about today. Always lots to talk about here. But how was your weekend? My weekend was fantastic. Uh, had big Spencer, Michigan win. Michigan won. Had Spencer over for some famous Georgia Reuben sandwiches uh, to watch the game. Him and his uh, lovely girlfriend Ariel watched the game. Uh, just uh, swam a couple times, did some shopping, just hanging out. You know, daylight savings time. You got to love daylight savings time. You get that extra hour of sleep. So 
What about you? What you do this weekend? Anything? Uh, on your recommendation, I went to Birmingham. Had the night. I had an, actually a nice night without the kids because obviously I got the two and the five year old. But my father in law was the hero. Took them overnight, so we were able to go to Birmingham. Had a beautiful uh, dinner. We're on, on your recommendation. Great pasta. There what was the name of that place again, though. It was an Italian place. Strata. Really good. So really good pasta. Um, and then I went out and I saw, I, I saw where Dana got engaged. So I was like, oh, I'll take a picture of that. You know, and that's your daughter, Dana. Uh, you could tell the story if you want. But then I was like, uh, a Sunday night, I'm sitting there and I see the McDonald's news. And I was like, I'm in trouble on this McDonald's bet. So I sent Joel a little bit, a little tweet there. And uh, if you can show that and actually talk about the story behind it, Joel. Uh, the story behind it is, uh, well, Dana, who got married October 12th, uh, her boyfriend's a big movie buff. So downtown Birmingham, if you guys haven't been to beautiful, beautiful. Birmingham, Michigan, uh, just uh, it's kind of what, 20, 30 miles from Detroit. Nice uh, affluent, I would call it. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you call it? It's not. Um, it, it's, a, it's affluent. Yeah. It's a downtown. Yeah. It's yeah. a nice it's, little downtown. It's nice. Really but nice. Anyways, there's the Birmingham Theater. And for his, uh, for the engagement to Dana, right where you see Joel, will you let me out of the MCD pack? <laughs> I did a little Photoshopping. Yes, or Laura did the Photoshop. Yeah, I'm not good at Photoshop. And uh, and I said, Dana, will you marry me? So they, you know, he said, oh, I'm going to take you out to dinner. And Dana figured out. They walked down the street. And he goes, oh, turn around. And then there was the picture. So there's Dennis. Uh, so with so I thought I would win over Joel's heart here when I sent him this, because obviously that's where his daughter had got engaged. And I was like, he'll let me out of the McDonald's bet for this. So are you going to let me out? Well, you haven't lost yet. It's one ninety thirty. It's it's if it hits one ninety, I lose the lunch bet. So I think I'm in a whole world of trouble here. So I can either go one ninety oh one bit and try to not let it go through me, which I'm probably not going to do for a lunch. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to lose this bet. Today. Bob won't mind. Just tell Bob. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm in trouble on this bet. <laughs> Uh, but Spencer, give us the news. I'm sure everyone's heard it. I'm sure they have. Steve Easterbrook, the uh, CEO who joined in 2015, who's enjoyed some success at uh, McDonald's out over the weekend after um, uh, board fired him for having a consensual relationship with a direct subordinate. There you go. Well, well, well. <laughs> More bad news for Mickey D's. I mean, is this you know, directly impact the company to a certain extent because the CEO is gone. So I don't know if this is going to be something they're going to knock it down 10, 15 points. I don't, we don't have a lot of precedence here because there isn't a lot of CEOs that are getting tossed for these for types of things. Well, we, we, we do have, but it wasn't that bad. Was it that it was consensual too, right? Right. It's just a, this it, can't have relationships. It's, question, it's really only a question of com company policy and did he violate Company policy. It clearly did. Uh, yeah. we, but we do have some precedent. I mean, if you look at the, the circumstances are a little bit different, but if you want to talk about CEOs leaving, look at Wynn, look at Papa John. They wanted Wynn out, though, and they yeah. wanted the, the, the Papa okay. John CEO That's out. Fair. I That's don't fair. think they wanted the McDonald's CEO out. Ah, so. no, 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 no. He's done a pretty good job. How long has he been in there? No, I mean, you're right, Dennis. The, the, he, uh, 2015 is when he joined. He, and the, that's when the whole company turned around. I mean, he's done so many good things. Yeah, stock's up in So I, I'm not surprised the stock is trading down on this. In the, in the case of Wynn and Papa John's, I believe the stocks rallied when they got rid of the Yeah, system. I think you're right. And in this case, I don't think that they um, want, you know, I don't think that anybody wanted the CEO tossed here. That's why yeah. the stock is trading down. 
I mean, when you put it in perspective, look where the stock was in 2015. Why can't you give them a warning? Why can't, I mean, come on. It was a hundred bucks. I mean, the stock's doubled here in four years. It's been an unbelievable run from McDonald's. And we know, I've talked about how these stores have turned around. I mean, you used to think, and Joel still thinks they're dirty because he doesn't go to them anymore. The cafes, fireplaces, you know, they've got, you know, they've, they've got those magic moments I've talked about. I mean, they've just got, and my kids love it. I mean, they've just done a lot of things right. And now the person who maybe is behind a lot of these things that they've done right gets tossed because he had a relationship, you know, within the firm. It's he tough. Divorced, and it was consensual. Tough. Right. I mean, tough situation. Tough reason to toss somebody. Uh, tough situation all around. Uh, yeah. I think I, they wanted him out for other reasons. I think they see the turn in the stock. And, oh, uh, a turn. Uh, it just yeah. had one bad, one light quarter. Okay. You want to go, uh, you want to go. No more betting. 180 versus. Joel's got a bat. No, I'm not. Because this is weird. We don't know oh, what they're going to do bottom, here. Dennis. Pick a bottom. Come the on. things in, no, I got to stop doing that. See, this is why I lost the bet. I tried to call a bottom. Whenever you try to call bottoms, you lose money. So, or you lose lunches to Joel. So Joel was smart on this one. He went with the trend. The trend is your friend. That's why Joel's going to want a lunch from me here on the McDonald's. So what are we officially standing? Because I did pay you a steak dinner when we went to the hockey game. You owe me. I think it's three steak dinners still. I think I'm going to actually owe you two lunches, though. Okay. I think you were up one lunch, and you're going to be up two. All right. right. I'm pretty sure that's where we're at. If anybody else knows something different, I'm losing track of this. And Joel, you know, he's sneaky like that. He'll like, oh, yeah, I'll go. He went with it too fast. He went with it too quickly. So maybe we're even. Uh, no, I'm up to pre-market low. I'll get you in New York. I'll get you all lunch in New York when we oh, go. That, that would be What's like- the date on the New York again? November 17th? Oh, That's a Sunday. The, the, <laughs> the event is the 19th. Which you, is- better, you better get this in my calendar. I don't know. No, I'll be there. I'll be there. The ticket's already bought for me. I'll be there. It's in the calendar. So the Whoa. Tuesday, the 19th. Okay. Yeah. We'll see everybody in New York. I'd watch that pre-market low, 188.12. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's... Uh, I mean, he made a mistake. I think if they really wanted to keep him, they would slap him on the wrist and say, don't do it again. But I think this could be symptomatic of bigger problems they see at the company and they wanted him out. I mean, uh, but we'll see. I, I, I mean, I'd be 188.12. We'll see what happens there. It's a thick stock. Um, after that, I mean, you had a lot of uh, can't green candles on a monthly. So 186.70 would be my next level to keep an eye on. That was your low in April. So under 188.12, I'd look for 186.70. The other big news of the day is much more serious here, and it is under Armour. And it sounds like they are under an investigation, and this does not sound good. No, I'll just read directly from the journal article. The yeah, I'll do it. This. So published, I believe this is yesterday, maybe the day before. Um, federal authorities are investigating Under Armour's accounting practices in a probe examining whether the sportswear maker shifted sales from quarter to quarter to appear healthier according to people familiar with the matter. So that's a very serious charge. Yeah. And what was interesting to me is typically when uh, you see reports of accounting issues and SEC investigations and the company will release a statement, the statement is supposed to make you feel a little better, right? It's, it's supposed to uh, maybe acknowledge the mistake or if not acknowledge it, defend themselves. But in some, they're supposed to make the company uh, look better. I don't think this one made Under Armour look better at all because the, the statement said the company began responding in July 2017 Couple to, years to request for documents and information. That's two years ago. I mean, granted, that's when the uh, the charges stem from, but two years. Yeah. I, I mean, Kramer says something um, on his show quite a bit, which you know I completely agree with. When you get accounting issues, 
and potential accounting issues, he always says that equals sell. I mean, the market is doing that here today. We don't know, you know, if there's any of these allegations, and obviously this is going to lead to anything here. But when you talk about potentially, you know, playing along, playing with the books, everything goes out the window. All valuation goes out the window. Everything goes out the window. So I would hope that obviously nothing comes of this for UA shareholders, and it's not true. If any of this is true, it's big problems because how do you value something when you can't trust the numbers? Uh, you say Kramer, uh, you know, talked about that. That was one of the first things that uh, we learned in oldie back in the nineties was accounting, accounting, accounting. Issues equal sell. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I mean, this is on the street. So I hear Jim Kramer say it all the time, but you know, you yeah. old back in oldie. That was when I was still in high school when you were at oldie. So I didn't maybe know that back then, but I, I think I've heard this for the first time from Jim Kramer and he says a lot on that money. Um, not always the case. If I could provide the one example where what's the one example? Caterpillar. That did one. it have accounting issues? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, remember the uh, the uh, the Fed stormed their offices, and that yeah. was in March of 2017. Ooh, I want to nice. say. I mean, in some cases, there's going to be nothing that comes of it, right? right? So, an investigation doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be charges. That there's going to be there's there's been you know it's still just an investigation at this point in time. Correct. Correct. So until we get more information, but I'm not coming in here and buying UA when there's potential that there's something going on with the books. Uh, so I'm not surprised it's down $2.21. I don't even care. They reported in earnings. What were the earnings? Remind yeah, I, and I was going to say, they couldn't, they, I mean, timing couldn't have been worse because they wasted a perfectly good report here. Yeah, the report was fine. The EPS was good. The EPS beat, the sales beat, and then they raised their EPS guidance. For yeah. So... It would have probably been up if not for this. Yeah. But now it's like, okay, well, they beat well, all these books good. You know, people are saying, are these numbers good? Queen trust anything. So that's why they're selling it down. So all I can say is I'm out. I'm making no call on this whatsoever. I would say you do have some support at $16. Let's see what it does there. But you get accounting issues, they hit the sell button. Uh, this stock has just been in a, a, a downtrend forever, right? So I don't see why, you know, this is more bad news on it. The only thing significant is it did trade down to 1544. Someone got, uh, was there any volume there? No, very little volume. But then there's some at 1566. So let's call 1550 support. You're a buck oh five above that. Now, when you try and get back to that area, it's going to be a little bit tougher. So my number of the day, ooh, 16, six, or 15.97, let's call it 16 bucks. Uh, if I was short, I'd be there with the bid and they would have to take a lot to get through me at uh, 15.97, call it 16 bucks. That was your low on August 28th. Jump over here. A um, couple other reports here. We might as well go to them here. Bosch and Lom, um, Race, which is up significantly here. Did we also had Warren. Warren Buffett. That, Berkshire reported too. You see a new movie that's coming out? Which one? Ford versus Ferrari. Christian Bale and Matt Damon. Is this a real, real, real movie? Yeah, it's real? a real movie. It's about uh, takes place one in the seventies, sixties. It's about some race. Yeah. Does Ford have a car that can be Ferrari? I guess they used to be able to. Mustang's <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, a nice car, but okay. Well, Anyways, we, we let's go to the because race is is uh, is is up so much. Let's go there. Yeah, um, let's do up, it. Up five percent last I checked. EPS beat a dollar and one cent versus ninety five cent estimate. Sales of one point oh two five billion versus nine hundred eighty million dollars. So beat and a beat in the third quarter. They're also raising their full year EPS guidance. Um, 
by, we'll call it by about 20 cents there. And they're raising their full year sales guidance as well. It's a so, nice report. Remember, this has already been trading for hours over in Europe. Yeah, so yeah. price discovery has already happened. So it's not like this is all of a sudden, okay, well, how are they going to interpret the earnings? You've been interpreting the earnings for five hours here, obviously, as, a, as a, we've been trading over there for almost five hours. So our ACE getting a nice lift. Not surprised. It's coming into you know resistance there at 170, installing out, no pun intended, for the Ferrari car. But that's you know where I see the only, really the only resistance here, Joel. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It just uh, trading in the uh, overseas here. 173.22, that is a new all-time high. Use that as a target. Really not much else to say about it. Mm -hmm. But really, they're the only car company. If you look at everything else, right? Every, I mean, Tesla, I mean, nothing's making new. Is there anything making new all-time highs? in oh, the, the cars? Uh, well, Tesla's pretty sector. good. Nothing. What is? No, Tesla. well, Tesla's done pretty well, but we're still seeing them getting off the highs. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, Ford, we know, and Ford and GM have had all kinds of problems. They've come back recently here, but they're still in the gutter. I don't. Right. What do you think? They're all going electric. I mean, and this is obviously still, you know, it's not just a Tesla play. I mean, we're going to see in 10 years, we're going to see a lot more electric cars out there. Do you think you, when, when GM starts coming with more electric cars here, do you think we start to see some life in the stock? I mean, the valuations are really attractive, but they've been value traps for so long. Can the move to electric, I mean, for its dividend, 6.7%. Can the move to electric vehicles recharge these stocks? What no, here's the thing, say? Dennis. We're going to need, and this is why, this is a good reason here. You're going to need a lot less cars in 10 years. There's not going to be nearly the amount of cars on the road. That's from Gene Munster, right? Isn't That's that what Gene was saying? Yeah, Gene and Joel. I mean, Gene I, and Joel. I mean, it's just obvious. I mean, I I can't wait to give us it. the reasoning behind this. Why you're going to leave? Because I I've heard this argument from from um from Gene. Um, give us the reason. You know, just sum it up. Like why we're going to see less cars? Because I agree with that. It's a good argument. Because I mean, what do you what do you pay for insurance a year? Okay, if you don't have your own car, you don't need insurance. You don't need maintenance. You don't need to buy gas. Okay. But the big reason is because you believe in autonomous cars, right? Yes. There you go. This is the big reason behind it is the move to autonomy. So yeah. if we think we're going to driverless cars in 10 years, the argument, and I've heard this argument being made, I think it came from Gene originally, or it came from somewhere else originally, but Gene was talking about it, is that you won't need, everybody won't need to own their own car because if it's driverless cars, you just summon your car. So you can have like cars that are shared, you know, driving exactly. services more. Where a car, okay, I'm leaving at 10 o'clock. My car just shows up and gets me. So it's not like calling an Uber or calling anything. You literally just call your own car that you can share. I mean, some of these things might happen. I mean, it depends on how quickly we move to driverless cars. Some people believe we're going to be there in five years. Other people believe we're not going to be there for 50 years. So eventually we are going to be there. I mean, you know, remember Total Recall? You know, that the driverless cars there. I got my Arnold shirt on here today, here today too. So Someone mentioned that. <laughs> but, but did somebody mention the Arnold shirt? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll stand up and show you the Arnold shirt. Where is this one from? Tell me what movie. I can't see for, it. For Commando. a free trial to Benzinga Pro, what movie? Commando. <laughs> what is it, Spencer? Commando. <laughs> Try again. That that's not Commando. Uh, Total Recall. No. Come on, chat. Oh, that, that's chat Predator. Knows. Predator. Predator. I'm not anymore. Predator. Predator. It's Billy, get to the chopper. Predator. I was close. It's one of the other. <laughs> Predator. The chat's all over it. So. Our chat very smart. Uh, a new name here in the YouTube chat. Dag Wahoo says uh, jetpacks. What about like with the uh, remember in the Jetsons? 
Remember, and we'll just put on our jetpacks and we'll just fly everywhere. That's a little dangerous, though. I don't think I, I don't think we're there yet. I don't know if we're getting there in the next 50 years, but I do believe that our cars are going to drive themselves. And it's not going to be like, you know, an iRobot driving the car. The cars are going to drive themselves. And I think we're, I don't know if we're going to be there in 10 years, but we'll be on our way. And you know, obviously, you know, we've got Tesla right now and it's a long ways away, but, you know, it can steer between the lines. And the technology's there you know, to do a lot more things. It's just not legal as well. So I think we'll get there. And it's going to change the dynamics of everything with the entire automotive industry, because it's going to be awesome. I mean, just imagine being able to go on a road trip. Oh, I'm going to drive to Florida. It's 20 hours. Okay, well, I'll put on a movie and I'll just enjoy myself here. And the car will do all the work for me. How awesome is that? It's eventually going to be safer too, because if everybody's autonomous, you know, obviously still things happen. But for the most part, I would think eventually it's going to be safer. Don't you? Yeah, but I think the market's telling you here that, I mean, look at Ford and the greatest- You think the market's market, telling you that we're closer to, you know- Yeah, they, we need less cars. I think that- yeah, we need less cars. Yeah, and isn't Ford the biggest producer of cars, right? Ford and GM, they got to crank them out. They got to be right near the right? top. I mean, they got to be there. So I think the market's telling you that uh, now Ford is, you know, working on- uh, autonomous vehicle campus down at uh, the train station. Maybe we should do a little road trip over there. And uh, I don't know what they've done, but maybe they'll catch up with something. But I mean, also think about it. Like if you know you go to work every day at 6.30, you don't even need to call up. You could just like have it programmed, like pick me up at 6.30, you know, and then boom, you don't even need to call and the car's in front of your house. Maybe there's a couple people in my neighborhood that work downtown Detroit too. They'll join me. Boom. Get rid of how much do you pay in insurance a year? Oh, just everything. The car yeah. is a huge expense for everyone. I mean, you gotta think in the wear and tear on a car. You're probably ten grand a year when you think consider wear and tear, gas, maybe even more than that per vehicle. It I might think, even what be about more than that. If it reduces traffic on the roads, I don't know if you have this in uh, nicer parts of the country, but just you know, that the all the money that's spent on maintenance of roads and highways. Well, Mi and Michigan everything. roads are like the worst. Yeah. They are the well, worst. Well, why are we not Okay, so here's a pet peeve of mine, and we look at this in 1985, we came out with Back to the Future, the movie, and it, when they got to 2015, they had flying cars. Why don't we have the flying car, and then we don't even need roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. That'd be a little dangerous. That, that would be, I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> we got to move on to the flying cars. We got flying drones. Why don't we have flying cars, and then we just forget about the roads altogether? Because all of our smart people are too busy developing social media and, and parking apps. So I don't know. I know uh, this parking app on my iPhone is kind of neat, but you know, for the most part, it's just like, it tells me where I parked my car and it's like in my driveway. So I kind of know that. But, okay. All right. Let's go to uh BHC. We really went on a tangent. Yeah, yeah. BHC here. Uh, Bosch it's Health. Daylight savings time. Bosch Health. Uh, good report for BHC. Beat on the EPS. Beat on the sales. And a uh, full year uh, 19 sales guidance raise. So good numbers this morning for BHC. It's a nice run. It's been on a nice run. I used to have this one in my long-term portfolio. I sold it a long time ago. Somebody was just asking me. I believe I had this back in 2018, and I sold it when you can see this big run when it went from like 16 to 28 bucks. I actually did really well, and I think I made over 50% on that stock. I never got back in. So um, obviously, I wish I would have when I got back in. When it went back down to 18 dollars, it would have been a good buy. So congratulations to everybody who got back in. With that being said, it has run into trouble in this 27 to 28 area for the last two years. Now you're getting back into that area again. So don't look at the all-time highs on this, Joel, because it's $263, and you can just forget about those. We know they had some issues. But, you know, is it a turnaround story? Can they eventually break out through this 27, 28 resistance? That is my question. 
you know, what a great move by them. Getting, you know, getting rid of the stigma of VRX, right? And coming out, Bausch and Long, you know, the stuff for contacts. Company based in Laval, Canada. Where's Laval, Canada, Dennis? L-A-V-A-L. That is a good question. Okay. I mean, I think that was a great move. Must be in Quebec. Is that in Quebec? I'm not sure. Sounds Quebec. All time great branding move for sure. Uh, yeah. Just keep Sounds Quebec ish. Laval, Canada. Hmm. 40 cents off the pre market high, 27 and a quarter. I use that as a target for longs. If you get through that, I mean, the monthly, if you're looking at the monthly and like you're drawing a line across all these tops, this is like the breakout of all breakouts. I mean, if you go back to 2016, uh, let's see here. I mean, on a date, on a monthly chart, you got nothing to 30.77. Now, do I think it's going there today? No, but back in September of 2016, it had a monthly high of 30.77. So if you're looking for more, just uh, just get over that pre-market high. And ZZ Stefan says just north side of Montreal is where. I guessed right with Quebec. Very good. Sounded French. All right, let's talk about. Uh, pod stocks here. There, there was one headline that caught my eye. Afria uh, doubled their production capacity after receiving a license for a new uh, facility. And I know we've talked about how, or Dennis has talked about how the story is over. Yeah. Pod is dead, but not so fast, my friend. I, I will say, and I've been, you know, banging the sell the pod stocks drum here for probably the last year and been pretty on this call. What I will say, though, is that some of these stocks, if you want to try to call a bottom, I'm not saying I'm going to yes. do this, I'm not saying, but if you wanted to try to call a bottom, you have a bottom to lean on. Let's forget about Afria for a second because it's not the best of breed, but the one that, you know, is, is, is two of the stocks that have, at least you know what Kramer's been saying is best of breed, is Kronos and CGC. Both of these stocks, look at CGC, the low from Friday, 1952. You can get the low of the move here which is 1789. So I mean, you're paying up a little bit from that, but if you're going long, I would definitely lean on the low of the move. Kronos, not a bad setup too, Joel. I mean, low of the move is 740, it's 822. Trying around here, could it, could it be putting in a bottom here? It could be. Again, from a valuation perspective, I think these things are all still expensive and I think you know maybe long-term they still go lower, but there's a chance for a bounce trade here. I don't know if I'm playing it because I'm just not bullish the whole sector as a whole. But there's a potential setup here for a long. Uh, Spinner must have been listening to the pre-pre-market show because uh, I mentioned pot names on uh, potential uh, tax selling. Yes, and this was the argument going the other way. And we were having, we were having a discussion on the pre-pre-market show and saying, well, the setups are there. But again, you have some seasonality issues here because these have been laggards. And typically laggards get sold in December because obviously the tax consequences of people taking write-offs on their poor pot stock investments. So that would be working against you. So the question is, are we far enough ahead of tax loss selling season? Could you get a little pop here in November? Eventually, maybe you start selling off in December again. I don't know. Uh, it's not good enough for me. It's not a good enough setup for me. I'm staying out, yeah. but I always say you can put on any trade as long as you know where your out is. On CGC, I would definitely stop out below 1789. On Kronos, I would definitely stop out if I was buying it long below the 740 low. I, uh, I, I agree, Spinner. I agree with you, Joel. I think the tax loss uh, potential selling coming in a month could overpower any turnaround story here. And I don't even know if we have a turnaround story. I just like the fact that the stocks have kind of stopped going down. So 
Uh, I'm out, though. I'm not putting on any of these trades. I mean, also look at, like, this uh, VFF, this Village Farms. I think Kenny Glick hit that one pretty good on the way up. Maybe we'll get <laughs> Kenny on later in the week to see what his thoughts about this it. This one's a little but- more volatile. Yeah, so it's, it's a little more crazy. I don't follow the company close enough to tell you anything about the fundamentals. We'd have to get Alan back on to tell you that. But same setup, you know, it gets down below 650. The one thing I will say, I believe, I believe I made a trade on this. I believe there was some insider buying back when it was 640, 650. Wasn't there, Spencer? Didn't we talk about this on the show? In Village I'm, Farm? I kind of remember talking about this on the show. Wait, back, go back like a week and a half or two weeks ago. I thought. Uh, in what name? Buying. In what name? Yeah, Dennis. BFF. Uh, no, oh. you didn't trade this. I don't think you did. No, I no, I was long it. I was long it for a reason, and I actually did okay on it. I think I even may have mentioned the insider buying on the show. Huh. Maybe there was. I'm pretty sure there was. I don't. I, I remember being long it. I don't remember why. And there was this for a day trade. Uh, find out. I mean, maybe it was just one of those random. Th- maybe you thought you were like buying VFC Corp. Or maybe it was a a a, a purchase. But the- no, it wasn't. By the way. VFC Corp. There was something on it. Maybe it was an outside purchase by an investor. Something, something that I thought gave it a vote of confidence. Can't remember now. Obviously, we do a lot of trades. Yeah, so you just keep stuff. doing what you're doing, man. You don't need the news. You just, you could just go along. No, but <laughs> one thing I want to point out about this chart here is if, like, this, what would happen if you think this thing started to go back towards seven bucks? You know, six eighty-seven bucks. Let's say you've been short this thing for a long time. I know a lot of people don't have large short positions but to me if this thing just starts to peel back here toward i just think you're going to find buyers in it because they wanted to get in at seven and under yeah and they couldn't and now you know and then they didn't want to chase at nine. Ooh, look at that setup at nine if this thing can get over you got a triple top at nine i like that on the daily hey, then, is this still vff sorry yeah VFF. Uh, sorry, we, we, we digress it's monday um but uh, no, looking, uh, I guess it's not as clean at nine bucks. Uh, it's eight, hard. 881. But you the know, downtrends are just so ugly that it makes an overhead supply issue come into effect too. And the tax loss selling, it makes it hard to really get a big bull case here for the pot stocks right now. Maybe January, like you were saying. Maybe January gets more interesting. We'll keep, I don't know. We'll keep on it for a couple of weeks. But look at, um, and I talked about this before. You know, when Afria had good news? And it bumped up to like to 550, and that was a major level. Snuck over it a couple times, and then pulled back. Well, here, look at this thing over 550 here. That's a huge level. Not only get, you know, not even trade above it over, you know, intraday, but staying close above it. I think uh, Afria looks like the best looking chart to me. They've stopped going down. So go. if you want to do a tighter stop, look at the MJ, which like Spencer likes, uh, you know, as a trade off or just uh, you know as a vehicle. Spencer, and 1905 was low two days ago. So yep. 1960. So you could re- stop out. You don't even have to go back to the October low. You could set up a trade and just stop out at the recent lows. Or maybe even CGC. You say, okay, last couple of days, 1952, 1942, potential double bottom place. I'm going to try it today. And I'm going to stop out if it goes below 1940. It's a tighter stop for you. It's not a bad setup. Does all those other you know, factors come into play? Potentially. So, But if you think this market's turning around or this market's breaking out, which it is. I mean, this market seems to go up every day. It's making me all-time highs. Maybe it can drag up some of the laggards with it for a while. So I don't want to be short the pot stocks here. I'll say that. Okay. All right. 8.30 here. S&P's two ticks off the high of the pre-market session. That's 3.080, trading at 79.50. Uh, based on the average daily range, we could get up to pretty close to 3,100 today. I mean, that's only 20 handles away. Really hard to do the levels here because there's absolutely no resistance to factor in here. 
but we'll be keeping an eye. We're going to make a new high here, right at 3080, the old strong close on Friday, follow through Sunday night and Monday so far is the setup. And uh, here we are at 831. Dennis, I know the imbalances are coming out at different times here. Uh, you seen anything in an imbalance? Well, they're at eight o'clock, and um, gee, three hundred thirty-seven thousand to sell. It's trading up three cents just because the market's up, but that's obviously significant. Disney, which has had a nice couple of days here, still long in the long-term portfolio. Um, it's got sixty-nine thousand to buy. Alibaba, which bounced around a lot on their earnings, but you know, kind of just didn't do much at all. Now it's trading up three dollars and eighty-four cents this morning. It's got one hundred forty-eight thousand to buy. So those are significant. Remember, if you like, CBS is another one that's really been running for a while here now, ever since those insider buys happened. I mean, those work sometimes as insider buys. We just get some news or something. We're taking off here again. Another. Yeah, because I just mentioned there was no resistance in the market. They took it through 3080 here. Uh, boom, boom, 85.75. That's a, you know, I know I'm, I'm scrounging looking for resistance when I go to the old pivot point formula because that's just based on the average daily ranges it's uh, an old formula i learned back on the floor supposedly a lot of floor traders use so according to that the next number is 85.75 probably hit that in the next five minutes uh 8.32 we got some more earnings to cover we today. have like one more i thought uber was scheduled for this morning i have not yes, no, tonight, tonight tonight oh i'm pretty okay. sure Uber's tonight I stand corrected on that. Let's wow. go with uh, Cisco. It's kind of the only bigger one, big one from the morning that we haven't hit on yet. SYY. So that's the food stock, yes. That's the food, Cisco. They make the oil, right? Not the uh, tech Cisco, but SYY, EPS beat, sales miss. Stock running into the report. Um, down here slightly offered down. Not doing much. Very quiet here. Um, so nobody's really hitting it hard here. It was trading slightly up on the original report. You can see at 81 and a half and it's turned and it is off or down. So we'll have to see what the digestion period, but I don't like that. I just had a nice size trade up on the report and now it's looking to go red. I think this could actually show some more weakness. Yeah, I don't know about this one. I don't like it. What about I don't like the setup? Let's just, just do a quick um quick uh food stock uh, thing. We haven't talked about them uh much. Uh, boom, look at Kellogg here. Is there a, can you got the open book on Kellogg there? Seems no, I didn't open it. JV Speck will be in the chat though. What do you Someone think, 65? Laugh. No, 64. Well, because it kissed up over that two days ago, it's probably nothing in the book. And yes, yeah, right. Friday's trade is probably taken out what's at 64, but it doesn't mean that there's not an algo refreshing there. Yeah, just hitting the bid. There's a little flag. Look at this flag though, Joel. You like yeah, those it's... flags? That's a pretty flag. Yep. Pattern traders. Look, we all of a sudden are giving some love to some patterns. We don't talk patterns. And where is, I ask this every time, where is uh, Kellogg's headquartered? Is this going to the chat or going to me and Battle Spencer? Creek. Obviously Battle Creek. Battle Creek, Dennis. Battle oh, Creek. I thought he was asking Creek. the chat. I was going have to you been to Battle chance. Creek, Dennis? I have, actually. I've been to Battle Creek a couple of times. Nice little town. Okay. All right. You want to go to our. Some nice cities in Michigan. That Birmingham's a nice city state. too. You got to go to that Birmingham. That's really. Michigan's the best state. Best state in the union. Uh, <laughs> of course he thinks that. <laughs> go blue. <laughs> all right. We have uh, one minute before our guests. Just one more note. We got to take under here today. PEGI. We've been seeing a couple of these lately. PEGI, uh, which uh, energy stock here, uh, was halted. Yeah. Just came out of the halt, and it says it will be purchased by the Canada Pension Plan. For twenty six seventy five a share. Those are always interesting because the stock was twenty seven eighty. So we have a take under here. I don't know why we're seeing these a couple of these lately, but some of these stock prices 
are getting taken over under the actual price of where the stock was trading. So shareholders not being rewarded in this one. That's the second take under we've seen in like three weeks, I feel like. Yeah, there's been a couple of them lately. What are your thoughts here? I mean, why sell your stock at a price that's worse than it's currently? Well, trading? you know what? Because you think it's going lower. I guess so. Let's ask our guest this question. So, yeah. uh, joined by a new guest today, Jeff Mills. He is the CIO of Bryn Mawr Trust Wealth Management. Jeff, good morning. How's it going? Hey, guys. Good morning. Hopefully, you can hear me. We can hear you. Uh, Jeff, we just talked about it. Why do companies do take unders? Yeah, I mean, I, I would just kind of piggyback on what you guys were saying. I mean, it would it would seem to be that they would expect their share price to go higher. So even though they feel like the lower price, um, you know, it's obviously lower than what the market is currently commanding, it probably makes sense based on how they're valuing the price of the shares. But yeah, it's interesting to see it. All right. So let's talk about the rest of the year here, Jeff. We, we got done with uh, last week with jobs number, a Fed. Uh, how are you positioning or how are you telling clients to position portfolios through the rest of the year? Yeah, it, it's an interesting point in the market right now because I think what you've seen, and you've, you've seen it a couple of times over the past number of years where we've had this rotation into more value areas of the market, more pro-cyclical areas of the market. But really what we're telling clients is to be patient there. Um, I think our expectation is that between now and the end of the year, you could probably see some additional soft economic data points. Um, surprisingly, you know, I think the economy is actually still dealing with the rise in interest rates that we saw in 2018. You know, it takes time for those higher interest rates to actually move their way through the economy. So I think you can see some soft PMI data points. Uh, yeah, employment was good. Um, but I want to be patient here. I, I want to wait to see more evidence of a bottoming in the global manufacturing cycle. I think we will see it in 2020. But for now, I would still lean toward growth. I would still play a little bit of defense. But I do feel like once we get into the first quarter of 2020, we are going to see a more durable cyclical rotation. Um, and that's when I would move more aggressively in that direction. I think once it happens, it will probably be with us for some time. So I don't think there's a major risk in being a little bit late there. So how would you play into that rotation then? Well, I mean, number one, just from a style perspective. So however you're positioned from growth versus value, obviously growth has been a big winner for the better part of a decade. And that's really been the place to be large cap US, US growth stocks. Um, and for, so from, from a very broad perspective, I would say thinking about a rotation into value into some of the areas of the market that have quite frankly lagged for a long time. So uh, whether you're thinking about financials or materials or energy, um, you know, it's interesting when you look at the broad market, yes, we're at, we're at an all time high. We're probably going to open at an all time high again this morning. But when you look under the surface, um, it's some of those more pro cyclical value oriented areas of the market that are nowhere near their individual all time high. So I think a rotation into those parts of the market could be good for those positioned there, but also be good for the broad market and maybe a neat catalyst in 2020 to bring the broad market higher. We saw it happen briefly there in September uh, where names like Roku got punished for two weeks. So th th there was that, that shift from, from growth to value. And, uh, sorry, there was a shift from growth to value and then, uh, then it ended. So, uh, so how, how long could this theoretical shift sustain itself this time? See, I think what you really need to look at, and this is why we've seen it a couple of times throughout this cycle, and it hasn't really stuck, is when you look at leading economic indicators like manufacturing PMI, for example, really what we want to see is a clear bottoming there and a move back up and then into expansion territory 
for that pro-cyclical rotation to actually be durable. Um, I think the good news is that even internationally, so obviously this whole recession narrative, um, it, it emanated from manufacturing, not only here in the US, but globally. Um, but if you look at manufacturing PMIs throughout the world, you had only 17% of countries with rising PMIs in the second quarter. That moved to 35% in the third quarter. So I think you're starting to see the very early signs of a more durable bottom in global manufacturing. So once you see our PMIs turn higher, um, then I think that probably persists for a year or so and you could actually play that rotation and make some money. I mean, for, for us, we're not gonna be trading in and out on sort of a daily or weekly basis. So in order for us to actually make a shift, we need to think that something is a little bit more durable. Um, and I think that's probably what you'll see at the beginning of the next year. All right, so let's talk about some specific sectors here that are on your radar. Anything you are most excited about, any sector or any industry that you are looking maybe go along here more than others? Yeah, well, I heard you guys, this is this is a little bit counter to my, my pro-cyclical argument here, but I will talk a little bit about healthcare. Uh, I heard you guys talking technicals a little bit, and although we don't trade on technicals, we will use it for sort of entry and exit points. And I think healthcare is interesting at this particular point in time. Uh, if you go back and you look at the relative performance chart of healthcare over the past 30 years, we are now for the seventh time over the past 30 years checking back to that relative performance uptrend line. And every single time we've done that, uh, the, the sector has recovered. So I'm anticipating that again. We've actually just broken above the downtrend line that we've seen over the past 12 months. So um, I think that's interesting. And also, you know, we kind of worked ourselves into this wedge pattern where healthcare had a hard time deciding which way it wanted to go. It looks like we're at the early signs of that breaking above that. Um, so kind of all of those things in combination I think healthcare may be an interesting place, especially over the next couple of months where I think the data may still be a little bit choppy. You may see broad S&P 500 earnings estimates continue to come down. So if you are gonna play defense over the next couple of months or a quarter or so, um, the healthcare chart looks good and it could be a reasonable place to hide. Any areas in the market that you're not liking right now besides growth apparently? <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I would say that thinking about this rotation next year, so looking at sort of growth at all costs, unprofitable growth, um, those types of areas, I think, may have seen their day. Um, whether you're just looking at the performance in the publicly traded markets, whether you're looking at the issues that WeWork had as it relates to its IPO or other IPOs that actually did end up going to market, but that haven't performed well. I think those sort of pockets of the market where it's been growth at all costs, unprofitable growth, um, you may want to avoid that here going forward. We're on the line with Jeff Mills, CIO of Bryn Mawr Trust Wealth Management. Uh, Jeff, I want, I want to talk to you interest rates here because like, there's, like, there's always something that comes up in the market, right? Like we're not hearing about the trade war anymore. Two, three months ago, what about the inverted yield curve, right? Yeah. Head to the hills. We're going into recession. We're going into depression, right? The world's right. coming to end. You get really strong job numbers on Friday. Could the next like mantra in the market be, oh, the Fed was totally wrong in lowering rates. We got to start ratcheting up rates. We're going to have rampant inflation. We're growing too fast, 6% GDP. Is that what everyone's going to be crying about in January and February? Gold and silver are kind of acting that way. Talk to us about the Fed, their actions, and what if they have to really sharply reverse course here? When are people going to start worrying that the economy is overheating? They're worried about us going into recession. What if, when's it going to overheat? 
Yeah, so first of the yield curve point, you know, obviously we saw an uninversion of the curve even before the last Fed meeting. My point of view on that is that you're, you're looking at a global interest rate environment, which is a little bit unusual in that central banks have suppressed rates, obviously, for the better part of a decade. So when you're talking about a 10-year German boon yielding, you know, something like negative 30 basis points or whatever it is today, and our 10-year yielding, you know, in the, the 160, 170 range, I think that has artificially suppressed term premiums, pushed down the longer end of our curve for reasons that aren't necessarily associated with uh, growth expectations that are really poor. So I don't know that the inverted yield curve this time around um, was giving us as clear a signal as maybe it has in the past. And we also know that the inversion of the yield curve is, is generally a horrible timing tool as it relates to what the market is likely to do. Uh, in terms of the outlook as it relates to the economy and may the Fed have to sort of about face, you know, I think the bar going forward is actually going to be pretty high for a cut or for a hike, to be honest with you. And, and quite frankly, if you look at periods throughout history, what we should be hoping for here going forward is less cuts, not more. Uh, after the third cut, what you wanna see is less cuts. And you know, back to 1982, we've had, I think, eight different periods of three interest rate cuts without an intermittent hike in between. In all of those periods, after that third cut, if the Fed was forced to cut more than two additional times, market performance was really poor. So um, I think there's a middle ground between the Fed having to completely reverse course um, and, and people getting worried about inflation, which I don't think is, is likely, versus the Fed staying extremely dovish. I think the middle ground, which is more likely and which is what they are signaling, is that, look, we did a little adjustment here. We took the hikes out of the market that we saw in 2018. Economic data isn't looking so bad. Um, we saw a somewhat better ISM print last month that's indicative in the employment report. So I think if the Fed sort of stands pat here um, and the economy allows them to do that because the data is actually stabilizing, then that's actually a good thing for the market. We should not be hoping for more cuts right now. We should be hoping for less. And uh, just going into 2020, coming into an election year, I uh, talk about the presidential election, election cycle and Boy, I mean, a lot of times markets had a good run in election year, get back in the White House. Where could that take us to? Just talk about the, uh, the presidential election cycle uh, relevant to stocks. Yeah, I mean, there's always a risk just because a presidential election year is uncertain. The market doesn't like uncertainties. And I think um, this election year, maybe more so than many others, is kind of fraught with, uh, with uncertainty given um, how different the candidates are and the potential outcomes. But th this is more of a philosophical point of view, but it's really hard to manage portfolios the way we do based on sort of a binary outcome of, of a political event, because you have to get the outcome of the event correct, which is exceedingly difficult. And then you have to get the market's reaction to the outcome of that event correct. And over and over again, we see investors get either one or both wrong. And I'll use the the election of President Trump is, is a great example of that. No one thought he would get elected. Well, he did. So everyone got that wrong. And then everyone thought that, well, if he does get elected, the markets may enter some sort of turmoil because of the uncertainty that creates. That happened for about three or four hours overnight. And then everything settled down and the market moved higher. So for us, it's just really difficult to make intelligent portfolio decisions based on trying to guess the outcome uh, of a presidential election.
And uh, one more uh, coming out of our chat. Uh, what was it a week or three weeks ago? A month? Uh, the Fed was the Fed repo. The banks aren't lending money overnight. Had to put all that money into the system. It turned out to be another kind of false scare there. Any any comments on that uh, heavy repo action we had? I guess about a month ago. Yeah, look, this is this is a problem that we experience uh, sort of at the end of quarters and at different times when liquidity gets squeezed in the marketplace. I think people. Uh, paid more attention to this because it happened at somewhat of an unusual juncture and rates did spike to the degree that they did. Um, look, it's a plumbing issue with the market. I don't think that it's not a problem at all, but the narrative that has emerged from it is that the Fed is now doing QE again as they are injecting liquidity into the repo market and uh, helping support the functioning of that mechanism. Um, I do not believe it is QE. Um, in QE, they're providing excess liquidity that the market does not need. Um, and it's usually being done at the longer end of the curve, whereas here they're sort of meeting the market's liquidity demands uh, in order to help this this uh, this short-term funding funding mechanism uh, actually work properly. So um, I don't believe it's QE. I think the Fed has stepped in and done a reasonable job to calm down that market. And my guess is it's not going to serve as an acute risk, um, you know, as we move through 2020. All right, we, we've been on the line with Jeff Mills. He's the CIO of Bryn Mawr Trust Wealth Management. Jeff, thanks so much for the time today. Thanks, guys. All right, 8.48 here. Joel, anything going uh, on? Just still creeping higher over uh, over 30.80, up 19 handles, 30.82 and a quarter. Uh, gold uh, still up a buck ten, but peeling back a, a little bit. Uh, but so far, I've uh, seen a lot of green on the screen uh, besides your your Under Armour. But, uh, Dennis, let's talk about a deal here in the markets. And uh, Stryker is uh, striking, picking up right medical group here. Must be a decent-sized deal here for Stryker. See it down, uh, 6 bucks on old, about 12000 well, $4.7 $4. billion That's a decent-sized so deal. Thirty seventy-five is the takeout price for WMGI. $30.75. I mean, you got to look here and you just do a market cap versus um, that's usually the best way to go about it. This was actually rumored on Friday. So um, I don't know who um, who broke that rumor. I don't know, was it Reuters that broke that rumor on Friday? I don't remember. Anyways, WMGI, this was rumored Friday night. And if I just go, there was a, there was a rumor. I'm trying to describe where it was because I just want to give props to whoever broke that rumor. Um, thirty seventy five. It was Friday night, and ah man, I can't find it here now. Anyways, it was rumored Friday night because I had it written down that it was a rumor, and it was trading up at twenty four dollars. I mean, obviously they got this rumor right. Whoever broke this rumor, twenty eight dollars and eighty four cents. So the takeout price is uh, what was thirty seventy five? That's it. It's it's in it's in cash too. That's it. It's always interesting uh, when they're in cash and they're obviously significantly, you know, trading below where the cash takeout price could be a dollar and a half takeout price. Maybe this one's not going to be as smooth of a deal as maybe some of the other ones when they have that much of a discount on it. Um, Striker is trading down. So that's the more interesting one. When you get these takeovers happen, sometimes the acquirer gets hit. And we talk about that all depending on what the market cap is. I mean, when you have a Google okay. bit bet, it doesn't matter at all. That was such a drop in the bucket. But when you go here and you look at the market caps before the deal, what WMGI market cap was, do you have it there, Spencer? I'm just oh, analyzing this on the fly. Yeah. Okay, so the market cap before the deal was two. two so this is what, a $4 billion deal? It is $2.6 billion was the market cap before the deal. And what is the deal? And it's $4 billion deal? I'm just, it's 4.7. 
Yeah. So you're paying approximately a $2 billion premium for a company there. And a lot of times what they do is they knock that off the share price. So 79 billion with 373 million shares outstanding. Um, you can see how they just figure this out. So they're knocking it down six bucks. That's roughly $2 billion. They're knocking it down. So you can see what, you know, the algos are doing on this and what, you know, and what happens is they knock down, they take the market cap up of what they paid for the premium. That's what we've been seeing in a lot of cases. In this case, it's almost perfectly. They paid a $2 billion premium. Well, we knocked $2 billion off the market cap. Um, that's what we've been seeing in a lot of these deals lately. Dennis, this might be a uh, good topic um, for the trader education at the FinTech Awards. Yeah, because I trade on these things too. And that's why, you know, people, you know, that aren't obviously following it closely can look and say, oh, well, Google took over Fitbit. Well, Google should go down this. Well, <laughs> What was the Fitbit premium that they were paying? You know, a couple hundred million. I mean, Google's always at ten cents, twenty cents on the stock. Nothing. So, and then obviously there's synergies, and you got to consider synergies. And not every deal is the same, so you got to analyze them all differently. This is the power that a human being has over an algorithm too. Is just you know to be able to use their own analysis on the fly where an algorithm is obviously just programmed to, it could simply do, okay, well, stock's up two billion, or it's a two billion dollar ticket, well, it's not two billion off the market price. An algorithm could easily do that. But there's other things to consider, synergies. In some cases, we see both the acquirer and the acquiree go up. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, just analyzing it from, you know, different perspectives as well, considering all that. But other things being equal, what we've been seeing is that when a stock gets taken over, they typically knock the market cap down of the acquirer about as much as the premium that they paid. In this case, it's almost working perfectly. And uh, so we're going to look at, I just want to look at Oxy. I mean, there's a stock that did a big deal, got hit, hasn't come back yet, right? You got Warren and Icon in there. Also wanted to mention Avi, A, B, you know, that got hit when it made a big acquisition. It I got hit way more than, you know, yeah, than a lot the of the other ones. I was actually shocked by how much they hit the Avi and it was a buying opportunity. So if we look at Avi, on that initial, you know, deal, and we can probably go find it because you can just see it was back in June. The stock went from $79 down to 65. Like they knocked the hell out of that. That was obviously the Allergan trade that we're talking about, the Allergan deal. I own both of those stocks and I was like, oh, my stock's going to take on over. Yay. And they knocked Avi down so much. I don't even know if I made money overall. <laughs> I had both those stocks in my long-term portfolio and as much as they, you know, bought Allergan up, they were not going to have me down. It was like crazy. Anyways, it worked out because obviously AbbVie has come back a long ways from those lows. I mean, AbbVie at $65 was just a steal. The stock was almost a 7% dividend down there. I mean, it's still a 5.74% dividend. You got to look at these things and you say, you know, if you really believe that drugs aren't going away, I know they have the one powerhouse drug and that's really what's driven AbbVie, but that 5.74% dividend is a nice, nice dividend when you're talking about a 1% or 0% environment. So there's value investors just coming some of these biotech stocks just for the dividends. Uh, we got a new listener, I think, uh, Daniel Manahan in the YouTube chat. Can you call a bottom for Beyond Meat now that 80 no. seems to be good support? Uh, Dennis? Uh, no, no, sorry. I mean, you can do any trade and you can say, okay, the low of the move is $80.10. Okay, I'm going to try and I think it might be the, you know, just saying hypothetically, you could say, okay, maybe this is the bottom. So you buy it here and you stop out if it cuts through 80. That's the only thing I could say is if you wanted to do that, I, I don't want any piece of this. I think Beyond Meat is much lower. I think you're going to have tax loss selling coming into this one, especially at the end of the year. I, I, I've talked on this show that I think it's going under $60. I've said even potentially by the end of the year. So I'm not a fan of Beyond Meat at all. I think the stock, I don't, 
Kramer was comparing it to GoPro, I don't think it's an, a, a crazy comparison. That you could have a stock of $90 goes to three. I don't think it's crazy to think that Beyond Meat could go to like 10 or $20 a share. I don't think that's crazy thought. Yeah. So that's my concern um, it, with, the, with going anything more than a trade in Beyond Meat. It's not going to even think about going to my best portfolio. Forget about 220 I don't think it's ever, ever going back there again. That's my opinion. I don't think it's going back to 200 ever again. I don't think it's ever going back to 160 again. I think the path of resistance is lower. If you've got this in their long-term portfolio, I would think hard about not keeping it in there. That's my opinion. You guys do what you want, obviously, but I don't want any piece of Beyond Meat here. The story is broken and the valuation is still nosebleed. Uh, one thing I would look for if you're looking for this and you're leaning on that 80 and you've seen this once, you've seen it a thousand times, it could, if it's going up and it's going to do the shake and bake at 80, meaning everyone that's leaning on 80. So you go down one day, you hit 79.60, you clear out all the stops at yeah. 80 and then you close back above 80. That's what I'd be looking at. But like the fundamentals there, I agree, but it's a trade where you're setting it up. You're looking at 82.90. You're buying kind of. it. You're having your stop. You're being disciplined. Uh, but boy, oh boy, a lot of people underwater um, in this one for sure. Every uh, rally is just met with more sellers. And the big tell was that day that they got the deal with McDonald's and they were going to try it in southwestern Ontario. This back, I believe, on September 26th, if I'm not cor if I'm correct, when the stock went from 140 to It was trading up at 170 in the pre-market that day. It opened at 160 and it sold the hell out of it. They got the best news possible that they were getting tried out in McDonald's and the stock barely closed green. And in three days, it had given it all back. It just tells you there's too much overhead supply. Everybody who was in the, in the hope trade in this thing, it turned into the hopeless trade. And it's continued to go down ever since. I believe you have all those sellers ahead. I don't think this thing is, honestly, I don't think it's ever going to see 100 bucks again. That's my opinion. But I think the path leads resistance is down. If I was in this, I'd be selling any rally. If I was in this, I'd have been gone a long time ago because I've been bearish the stock since 200. So I, I don't know why I would want to own this stock. A couple other things I just want to uh, mention before we go here. We got a question uh, from Mr. Estevez here. Any thoughts on Roku earnings? And we're, Dennis, you'll play stocks ahead of earnings, oh, yeah. right? The pre-earnings run. Yep. But the only thing I have to say about this is, well, what if they come out with good earnings and bad guidance? I mean, you never know what a company could say, or a lot of times they announce changes in the C-suite or, you know, something. So it's like, you know, the, the earnings, you know, they can run into earnings and then completely follow through. Uh, I, for me, as you know, if you had a target at 148, where's it trading, Roku? You know, take your target. Uh, maybe if you made some money off the bounce off 100, you still want to be bullish take a little bit of your proceeds, you know, maybe do a stock replacement strategy. I know the premium's real high on this one, but it's real, you know, like a lot of times on the show, if you had the earnings reports, like how would you even know if they come out with bad guidance? It's been the toughest earnings season. I mean, even if you're an insider and you had the earnings report ahead of time and sometimes maybe, and the guidance is usually included in the earnings report and guidance, an aviator once saying, we say it all the time on the show, guidance means everything. It doesn't matter how good the earnings report, they lower guidance stocks going down. So the guidance does trump all, uh, but that being said, sometimes we've seen this earnings season where a stock has come out with good guidance and the stock has got hit. And we saw stocks that have come out with bad guidance and, and the stocks rallied. It's been a funny earnings season where stocks, you know, are trading, you know, based on expectations more than anything and sentiment. And, you know, and some of these laggards that have really been in the doghouse, it's like, okay, well, the guidance was bad, but it wasn't that bad. And they turn around and buy it. I mean, we saw it in the case of Caterpillar, but that was not a great report. Stock's been up ever since. 
So funny things happen. You know, it's very difficult to trade. You know, and interpret earnings uh, uh, this earnings season. Anyways, it's been a, it's not been as clear cut as you know stock. You know, X Y Z beats and raises that the price is going up. It hasn't been that clear cut. What about X here? What's X? Uh, someone's what are you? The laggards have been turning it around here lately, and we saw this. This was not a great report either, but it didn't matter. It wasn't that bad? So it's a good example of what we were just talking about. And they turned around and they bought the hell out of it. They squeezed the shorts a little bit. I mean, you put it in perspective. X has been straight down for a year and a half here now. Forty-five dollars a year and a half ago. It's thirteen. Could it squeeze them up to 15? Sure, it could do anything. Do I want to stick this in my long-term portfolio? No, it's a dog, but the dogs are barking a little bit right now. So is there trades in here? Potentially. I mean, this is one that I don't think is just going to turn around and start going right back down here because, yeah, it stopped going down in September. We bounced. We had a hard bottom at $10. We've shown some life here. I mean, again, it's hard to play these things, you know, when you don't like the long-term story from the long side, but I don't want to be shorted either. How about this headline real quick from, uh, from Twilio here? What do you got? I remember last week they had earnings and, and they gave guidance as part of that uh, report. And they said that their, uh, their full year uh, 19 adjusted EPS would be between 16 and 17 cents. Well, now they're saying we did our math wrong. It was actually going to be between 12 and 13 cents, not 16 and 17 cents. When did this break? Um, I'm seeing it this morning. Uh, <laughs> What's the stock yeah, down here in the pre-market? It's uh, up a nickel. Sop's oh, up. no, I see that. But what is, what's, what's the pre-market chart look like? Um, Has it been lower? Did uh, they hit it on this originally? Uh, let me take a look here. No, it's done nothing. Maybe a tad. I, see I guess it. I don't care about that, Spencer, but that's... Doesn't that's sound like great to me. <laughs> yeah, they knocked great. it down to 94.40. He must have been sleeping. I was sleeping. Uh, I slept in today. It was a long weekend. I was partying in Birmingham. <laughs> okay. All right. So, I, I, you know what? Twilio's in a downtrend here now. It's going to be met with sellers a little bit to a certain extent. $100 is huge. Can it get back over 100 It gets back over 100 It gets interesting from the long side. Until it's over $100, I don't want any part of it. And where do you know where Twilio is based and where it's from? Is it a Michigan company? I no. Yes. Yes. No. Is it a Michigan company? I didn't know that. I think I so. Or the I, guy. The, the really? Guy, the guy, maybe the guy doesn't from, sound like a Michigan. The guy's oh, from here. They're not. Maybe. Yeah. They're, they're, this doesn't sound like a Michigan. <laughs> company. You're giving Michigan too much <laughs> love here now. There's no way it's a Michigan company. Willio. Yeah. Oh, no way. No. Okay. Uh, Is that from Michigan? He's not from Ohio. Oh, the guy that started it's from Michigan. Okay, that I was not, close. It's from Michigan. That does not count. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you give the Michigan a lot of love. I don't know on this one if it's wanted. Yeah, no. uh, all right. I want to thank our guest today, Jeff Mills. Thanks to all of you in our chat. I want to remind you about the Benzinga Global FinTech Awards. We will all be there November 19th in New York City. I'm dropping the link in the chat to get 20% off. Or you can go to fintechawards.com, enter the promo code PMPVIP. You'll get a full day of fintech stuff plus joel and dennis are going to be doing some education on the side about uh their strategies and how they approach the market so again promo code pmpvip fintechawards.com to learn more there catch our podcast if you miss any part of our show itunes soundcloud stitcher spotify wherever or just watch the show on youtube i want to remind you that everything on our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investing or trading advice that's it for us. Everyone have a great rest of your Monday. We'll be back with you on Tuesday.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.